I uh, see a lot of what people talked about around me made it feel like those performances are the single most important factor in life. But I mean, I can't even imagine what people usually go through, like especially in the Korean uh, scoring system. Like you, whether you get A or B is determined by how high of a percentile you're, and I think it's a system that really like pushes people to the extreme and. I feel like the Korean culture of not acknowledging like mental health issues really adds up. If you didn't know, this month is Suicide Prevention Month. I share a relatively private part of my life. In the following episode, because it made sense for me during the show. However, I want you to all know out there that I take these topics very seriously. It's why I've dedicated a significant amount of time focusing on a topic that's not sexy or controversial for the sake of ratings. I don't care if our show takes off. I just hope it helps some people out there receive a better education. With that said, it's important to be sensitive when delivering any messages about the topic. We hope for all of you out there who've even thought a tad or a little bit about this subject to ask for help, or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, that is 1-800-273-8255. We hope you enjoy the show. Today's episode is quite special to me. The interview is basically education coming full circle. Our guest is a former student, but now possibly a future mentor, or at least a peer that will be paving a new path in the startup world, specifically the health sector. I taught our guests as a young, young student in Busan, South Korea, many years ago. I had no idea he was actually listening, but funny enough, he was one of the best listeners that I had. He listened so well, he took his respect for his instructors to a high level and leveraged it into the most competitive university in the United States. Mr. Jin Yu is now a graduate of Stanford University with a degree in computer science, and he's leveraged that into his co-founder position in Prairie Health. His program, Computer Science, is one of the hardest programs, by the way, to get into any university these days. And that is in the university that is the most selective, possibly in the world. I know I'm going to enjoy this interview. I hope you do too. As I already mentioned, uh, I'm really excited to have our guest uh, Jinu Yu on today. He's uh, not only the co-founder of a great new startup called Prairie Health, but he's actually one of my former students who I never expected to interview today uh, for the podcast. I had no idea we would even keep in touch up until this point, but uh, I'm so glad we did. And without further ado, let me introduce the world to Mr. Yu. So how are you doing today? Hi, uh, thanks for having me today. I am actually doing great. Um, long day today, but everything is going great at Prairie Cell, trooping through the entire day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough uh, running a startup sometimes, or at least definitely <laughs> exhausting, right? 
it's so hectic like everything new coming up like every new crisis to deal with every day yeah it's <laughs> it's definitely an experience <laughs> this is yeah exactly <laughs> so you you and i just uh recently jumped on a, a group chat with two of our other previous instructors on a uh, popular you know social media site right remember that totally uh yeah it's like i've been following their social media posts like looking at their pictures like as they uh travel around the world or whatever but yeah, it, it was really nice reconnecting with my old teachers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no idea your nickname was Simon. So, <laughs> yeah, it's more of a convenience thing, I guess. Like, you know, like one of those names that you give at Starbucks because you don't want to go through the hassle of uh, reading out your full name, like spelling it out. <laughs> I just tell them, hey, I'm Simon. <laughs> Very true, very true for us Americans or for Westerners, you know, when we're teaching Koreans, uh, you know, native Koreans, that is, um, your names are very unfamiliar. So sometimes, you know, and I say you, you know, even though I have, I'm of Korean, uh, you know, heritage, uh, but still sometimes the names are a little bit tough. Uh, yeah, well, before we jump into learning more about your current startup and uh, how you got there, um, I want to do a little reminiscing uh, of our times back in Busan together, if you don't mind. So, you know, we've already talked about this before in previous get togethers, but I thought maybe it'd be kind of fun to uh, uh, put, uh, you know, on the air <laughs> some of the stuff that, that was in the past. So, so can you tell the audience how you and I met? Yeah, for sure. So it's a little bit of a blur because I was so young back then, but it was basically back in elementary school uh, in Busan. Uh, I was going to this like private English institution type of place where after school, I go there study English for like three hours a day. Uh, and basically Brandon was one of my teachers who I had the honor to <laughs> study with. And like the entire memory of going to that like uh, institute, Hagwon say in Korea, it's a pretty interesting memory for me because like I was going to classes with all these middle schoolers, high schoolers, and I was basically the only elementary school student. And I think uh, a lot of the teachers in uh, that Hagwon really made me feel welcome, like in an environment that I was like, that was probably not designed for me as like an elementary school student. Yeah, we, we, we were a little bit different uh, because this, this whole concept of uh, hagwon, as we say in Korean, uh, but I guess Westerners or, or people who write on Wikipedia call them cram schools is, is not a, a familiar concept here in uh, the West or in the United States. I mean, it's growing, I guess, but uh, I mean, it's a pretty common thing in Korea, right? Right. I, I honestly think that the... Uh word cram school <laughs> does not serve it justice because it feels very uh makeshift but honestly like it was a great experience i loved going to hogwans like it was a great learning experience out of school that i would that probably like formulated me into a person that i am today yeah well i mean you're one of the rare ones because I, there was a lot of kids who <laughs> didn't want to be there and so you know, in all honesty, we, we had to do what we could uh, to to try to motivate you. But we were glad to have uh, kids like you. So, but you're not a kid anymore. Uh, you're not. Yeah, you're Sadly. not. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um, so let me ask because you know we, we're going to talk a little bit about education here today. But um, Korea has a different you know uh, kind of perspective on education, don't you think? I mean. Would you say it's more intense or or what's your thoughts about how Korea thinks about education? 
I think for any Korean parents, honestly, uh, education is one of the to topics that they really care about. Because I think for most people, education is viewed as a means to rise through the social, I, I wouldn't say class, to have a child become a better person than I am. Like I would want my children to get the best education available. I think that's how parents usually approach education in Korea. Got it. Got it. And that's why they give extra, right? So they put even more on top of the, the regular everyday. They go above and beyond. Well, well, on top of the cram schools, did you do tutoring too? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Like, obviously, um, like, even now, I am terrible at math. <laughs> so that was, like, the biggest part of my parents' concern was, like, to help me overcome my weakness of math obviously did not happen and i still hate math until this day <laughs> which is odd graduating from stanford and, and not being good at math is almost like uh, contradictory but anyway uh so <laughs> so um let let's you know speaking of math and let's speaking of education tell us a little bit about your educational background so so let's literally dial it back to elementary school yeah i went to uh pretty ordinary elementary school back in Busan, South Korea. Um, I mean, my school was nothing special, but looking back, I think I had a little bit of a different childhood than the rest of my friends because I actually liked going to cram schools, hagwans after school ended. I spent most of my times after school, like either studying at hagwans or studying by myself. I actually did not have a lot of social interactions, like as a normal elementary school kid would have. For example, like going to um, friends' birthday parties, like go over to their house, they, you know, have a nice meal with their parent and their friends. Those things were not really like common for me per se. Oh, really? <laughs> but, yeah, like I, I think I missed out on some of the like usual childhood memories that people will have just because for me, I really liked going to uh, Hagwans to learn English. I was also enjoying watching a lot of American TV shows. I'm a huge Star Trek junkie, so I uh, was <laughs> watching a lot of those. So I think it kind of went hand in hand and like English came across as something that is like fun. Like it opened so many doors. I can understand so many things. Yeah, so that's my elementary school year. Heading on to middle school and high school, I went to private boarding school in South Korea, which is a little more known for like its focus on international studies. Yeah, and it was a whole new experience living with my friends for six years in a dormitory, like and being part of so many classes that focus on debates, presentation, as well as global issues. It was an eye-opening experience for me. So, so tell us a little bit about that because I remember um, you were aiming for that, um, and it's 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 kind of a prized, uh, I guess what would we call it? Like, it's it's like trying to get into the Ivy Leagues, you know, from elementary school, right? You you were trying to get into these special programs. And there were several of them. And the one that you went into was actually kind of a, a I, I would call peculiar, I mean, in some ways, but at the same time, it was still highly sought after. Tell us a little bit about that school. Yeah, uh, for sure. It was super competitive. It, as I remember, the admission rate for the middle school when I was uh, applying to it was like around 4%. So it was, it was like a super competitive school. Apart from the uh, competitiveness of getting into the school, the school itself was actually uh, very peculiar in a way that it focused so much on us like uh, being 
like like global citizens per se like they made us very well aware of what's going on in the world they really made us focus on you know humanitarian issues uh human rights issues like social issues economic issues you can kind of see the uh you know the the theme that pierces through in the school like the school's education yeah yeah so it was chungshim right so the name yes. of the school? okay anyway that, that that's a, a very interesting uh perspective so thanks for sharing um well so not only did you get into that school which had a four percent admittance rate but you also got into another school which is considered like the most challenging school to get into in the united states if not the world uh at least on public record uh stanford now I think you told me, I remember when we were talking a long time ago, you, you actually took the SAT, what, four times or how many times? My memory is blinking, but I, and I think it's three or four times. Yes. Okay. So you <laughs> either, took either one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you work really hard at, at getting in, but beyond taking the exam multiple times, uh, what else did you do that you think that maybe got you in? I mean, do you, do you attribute to any, anything specific? Uh, I kind of, because I really wanted to go to Stanford because uh, to me, Stanford looked like this hub of entrepreneurship uh, here in the States. And because I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I started doing things what an entrepreneur would usually do. I would go to all these uh, forums where, well, back then adults gathered around and talked about issues in the tech industry. Uh, I also started a, like a nonprofit organization called Open Knowledge, which was basically recording uh, online courses to be able to share what we learned in school to people who might not necessarily have the same level of educational opportunity as us. And I think all those like things that I took upon myself to really make some change in the world, like in that case, it was in the field of education really added up to me becoming a sort of a junior entrepreneur that probably Stanford thought was a good fit. Mm. Well, well, how, how did you, uh, I mean, now, now that you've graduated, how, how, how would you say the experience was at Stanford? Um, Stanford is definitely interesting because <laughs> it definitely <laughs> is the hub of technical innovation that I thought it would be. It is also a very bubbly place. Uh, bubbly. Stanford why is, you, you know, why bubbly? bubbly as in like, it's, uh, shielded by, shielded from a lot of issues that plague our society. Like, mm -hmm. you know, cause all of us, obviously the general population at Stanford are mostly uh, uh, kids who are relatively more comfortable. So it's a very specific type of people that comes to Stanford. And because you are mostly interacting with those type of people, it's so easy for you to remain oblivious about the most basic issues that sometimes make life harder for for the general public per se got it got it that's interesting uh good good thoughts um now so that that would probably address my next question which was basically you know what 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 could they improve in so maybe maybe getting a little more of a real world perspective but um I, I am kind of curious though uh, because in the middle of that time you actually went away to the obligatory Korean military service. Could you tell us a little bit of how that works uh, for all the audience members who are not as familiar with the Korean military system? Yeah, um, so the Korean military system works in a way that every Korean male has to go to the military and serve 
what was 21 months back in the days, but now I think it's even shorter. But yeah, you basically have to serve the country for a specific amount of time, depending on which which part of the military you join. You join the army, join the Navy, Air Force. But for me, I was lucky enough to be part of the program that is called Katusa, which is a short for Korean Augmentation to the United States Army. And what they do is basically they're, um, they're working side by side with the U.S. Army as a Korean uh, personnel to better support their operations within the peninsula. Okay, I see. Interesting. Yeah, because uh, obviously with the obligatory system uh, not being the case here in the United States or in a lot mm-hmm. of other countries, it is fascinating to see how Korea still has that. And uh, it also kind of uh, put a little pause in your school. Do you, do you think that was a good thing? I mean, do you think that helped uh, um, come back with a little bit more of a mature you know, perspective? Honestly, in my freshman year, I, instead of focusing on really like drilling down on one single thing, I kind of, I tried to use my freshman year as an opportunity to explore a lot of stuff. I joined cultural organizations. I took classes from programs or departments that I, really wouldn't have tried if I was trying to like just drill down on my major, what my interest is. But yeah, like having that, knowing that I will take that two year break allowed me to kind of make me ease up a little bit and then like enjoy life as it is per se. Cause I was pretty much delaying all the hard work post military. I was like, <laughs> there's this hard class. I'm just going to take it afterwards. <laughs> but one, uh, one bummer though was because I left right after my freshman year, and then I came back two years later. So all of my friends uh, were seniors at that point, right? And obviously, like for se- like seniors have a different way of hanging out with people. They're not as like involved with campus organizations at that point. It's you know they're ready to go out to the society. So it was a little hard to reconnect with some of my friends, and it also didn't help. They kind of left a year after I came back. So. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Um, but hopefully you were able to keep in touch with some of them one way or the other. Um, you know, that, that, that is interesting. Um, well, let, before we jump into your startup and, and, you know, we did do something a little unorthodox today by having you talk a lot about education first, because I mean, it is the heart of what we want to talk about here. And, you know, frankly, if we could, I'd love to talk about it for, for a long time. Uh, but before we jump into the startup, because I mean, the startup, it has some applicability or, you know, application as far as your education, right. And, you know, whether or not that education or all the experience leading up to, you know, doing the startup actually played out uh, in, in a good way. But, um, let's, let's finish off with the education topic, at least with a, a couple last questions. One I would say is, do you feel like Korea's system, um, of education, is a strong one. Um, I mean, you probably haven't done a lot of analysis versus other regions or countries or, or other parts of the globe, but you know, compared to the United States, or you know, you've had four years of college with these other kids from other places. Do you think they were more prepared, less prepared? How, how did you feel? I think I was honestly one of the more prepared ones because, as I said, I think my middle school and high school really uh, did a good job in having me prepared for like what is usually done in college, right? Like in college, you have to do presentations, you have to write reports of your own, like you have to choose a topic, you have to take a leading role in whatever you produce versus like the more traditional model of 
homeworks per se like in korea uh would be like oh like write about this write about that like you don't get to have as much discretion as a student but i think the type of education i got in my school really allowed me to explore my interests really choose what i want to study more about explore more about and those type of attitudes i guess really carried on and helped me throughout college Got but it. i think as far as like general education system goes i would say Korea's education system is pretty peculiar because I feel like most of the higher education are 90% focused on going to the good college. Like, as you would say, like those Sky, like Seoul, Koryo, and Yonsei, all these like top brand schools, like all of the, yeah, all of the school systems are like optimized for output in that sense. Like they want to send more students to there. Yeah, that's, that's something that I, see and korean education Th that makes me a little sad i guess <laughs> yeah well not not only you but um one one criticism or one thing that maybe we should talk about at least briefly before jumping into like i said your startup is um there has been some you know comments or there has been you know stories about how students your peers in korea were stressed out so badly i mean the suicide rate may be one of the higher ones uh I know personally from my own son's experiences when they went to school there, they wanted to leave and, and go to the United States to finish off their schooling because it was so stressful um, at the time. So do you, do you feel the same? Do you feel like uh, some of your peers or do you even have some personal stories and you don't have to share obviously anything too, too painful, but uh, do you think that that intense you know desire to go to seoul national university or, or korea university or yonsei university or even some of the ivy leagues has has pushed kids too far yeah i've seen like even personally i was stressed out a lot back in middle school and high school as much as i enjoyed it there were definitely the lows of that time where i when i was really stressed about like my academic performance and Honestly, a lot of what people talked about around me made it feel like those performances are the single most important factor in life. But I mean, I can't even imagine what people usually go through, like especially in the Korean uh, scoring system, like you, whether you get A or B is determined by how high of a percentile you're. And I think it's a system that really like pushes people to the extreme and I feel like the Korean culture of not acknowledging like mental health issues really adds up because whenever people says like admit tries to admit that they are stressed because of something like many people will attribute that to their lack of uh, focus and grit on achieving certain things. Well, well, that's a perfect segue for now talking about Perry Hill. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't have set that up better. So, so, uh, uh, Jinu, tell us a little bit about this startup. Uh, I actually, I'm proud of you. Uh, I'll be honest, um, even though I'm biased because you've been my student and now you're my friend. Uh, but you guys are focusing on an area that maybe is affecting more of the world than we realize. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing. I'm working as a product lead in a startup called Prairie Health. I'm working on it with a few of my colleagues from Stanford, and we provide psychiatry services via telehealth so that it's accessible for people. And we do it in a way that it is driven by genetics. So a lot of medications are used in the course of treating mental illnesses. And most of the cases, the medications are cho chosen in a 
like trial and error type of basis. Like doctors would randomly prescribe certain medications because those are usually deemed as like first line medications. And like a lot of people suffer tremendous side effects because they did not get the medication that was a good fit for them. As of now, we're running genetic tests on people so that we know for sure what type of side effect can be expected based on the genes of the patient. So our psychiatrists are now able to make better medication choices to and minimize uh, side effects on our patients. Got it. Got it. So, so uh, you know, let, let's talk about the fact, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to connect this back to the education a little bit and also um, just talk about who you are as a person. Um, you're how old again? I am 23. So you're 23 years old and you're a co-founder of a startup that could in basically save half the world. No, I'm just kidding. But, but, <laughs> but it could be very influential because depression, do you have any depression statistics we can share with the audience? One out of five people in the United States is suffering from some sort of mental health illnesses. Mm. So that includes anxiety, depression. It's even more so true in the student community. Like on campuses, we're seeing so much more students, especially grad students, suffering from anxiety and depression. And we know for a fact that a lot of these schools are trying so hard to address those issues. But yeah, it's there's a, such a long way to go. That's why we are uh, currently trying to collaborate with psychological services on campus at various schools around California to provide psychiatric care to the students. Wow. Wow. Um, I would definitely have to concur. You, you know, I've shared this with you before, but, you know, and, and I can't remember if I've shared it with the studio audience. Um, but, you know, my cousin committed suicide in her 20s and my ex's cousin did the same. And so, you know, and I and I hear it whenever I hear anybody uh, or if there's even a sign of a little bit of stress, especially in the 20s, I can recall back to my time back then where I was stressed out. I know there was a period of time where I had actually even hoped the results from a test, you know, confirming that I had some really bad ailment was going to be positive because I was like, you know, it wouldn't have been to me at the time, a bad exit, I thought, you know, um, I was too chicken to kill myself, but I, <laughs> but I wouldn't have mind if something, some ailment took me down. And, and so that's interesting. So you're saying 60 million plus and a significant portion of that is in the, the school um, age kids is that are you saying that or, or shortly thereafter? Yeah. So young adults, college students, graduate students, those are not the type of people who we would usually associate with mental illness. Society has been talking more and more about mental illnesses in other segments of the population, like people in their 40s and 50s. Like we started acknowledging that, but the fact that so many students, younger adults are suffering from that is, I believe, a little less acknowledged. Okay. Well, um, you you graduated from Stanford, and you also graduated from one of the programs that most uh, colleges these days uh, are, are is very very hard to get into your computer science degree, and um, and I think you're pursuing a master's of some sort or or whatnot, which we can talk about later, but. Um, you know, you could probably go out and get a cushy, you know, like six figure job, maybe even in the 200s, uh, uh, you know, graduating from where you did 
at, at like Google, Facebook, or all these big brand names, but you decided to jump into a startup. Can you tell us why you did that? My first internship, I guess, that lasted for half a year, it was in the FMB, like food and beverage industry. My second job was in the corporate housing industry, and now I'm in the mental health space. And I think what I learned throughout those years is that I really enjoy being in a position where I could actually make a lot of changes. And like in startup, honestly, it's the perfect way to do that, right? Like you get to realize your vision. And like a lot of, a lot of my friends tell me this way, they oscillate between big tech and startup. It's not mutually exclusive. Like after a few years in big tech, they might want something more adventurous. They might want to start something from the ground up. Then they go back to the startup. So I could definitely see myself in, down the road in big tech, but I feel for now, like because I'm in a stage in my life where I think I can make a lot of change, that's why I dived, up, dived into the uh, startup sector. Very cool, very cool. Okay, I'm gonna put you, um, you know, to the test here. So give us your best elevator pitch as to why we should use Prairie Health or why you guys are gonna <laughs> disrupt the, you know, the industry or, you know, why some VC should come in and, you know, give you guys $10 million. Tell us, tell us why, you know, you guys are gonna the world. I guess the core differentiator of us is we are the only player that focuses mental health issues in a data-driven way. All the other companies focus on getting pills to your door. We call them pill pushers. That is not what treatment should look like. Treatment is plan or a program that should be carefully crafted by a psychiatrist and maybe have someone such as a care partner to be coordinating that care to make sure the patient doesn't fall out of the care program. And a holistic care program is so much more than just delivering pills to your door so that you can take it every night. Well, I, I wouldn't want to be your competition right now because if, if your CEO or whoever leader in the co-founding group is the best at the pitches, yours wasn't too bad yourself here. So uh, <laughs> I am I am I am pretty bad. It has become very rusty uh, over the past few months. <laughs> not pitched for the not not bad uh, at all. Not just, bad. Uh, if, I, if I had some money to give you guys, I would. Let's just say so. Uh, <laughs> no good, good work. Uh, so and and you know, speaking of your co-founders, um, let mm -hmm. let's talk about them just briefly. But you know, uh, maybe something to you know, we, we could dive into the the negatives. But let let's stick with positives. Uh, um, so you know, if if we you know had them on the show, um, let's just say. Uh, you know, w what would you tell me uh, about them that is so fantastic about your startup founders? So, you know, you don't have to mention their names, but, uh, you know, maybe you can start with their initials or something like that. What, what are some great things about them that you can say you've learned while working with them? As any good founding teams work, we understand each other to the deepest level. But what we tell as our strongest suit is the fact that all four of us have technical degrees. Uh, how we like how we approach every issue as a team is very data driven. It's very uh, it's very scientific. Like we don't make like random guesswork based on uh, some half baked intuition because we pro like we all come from like engineering backgrounds. The way we approach this mental health issue, the entire treatment program is very data focused, data oriented. 
Okay. Well, um, that's really nice. Uh, um, honestly, that, that you guys are all that way because yeah, frankly, um, then it makes it much easier to, to probably run your day-to-day -day operations. But with that said, there's probably some frustrations. Um, and you've, you've definitely gone through the rigmarole of, of, you know, trying to build a company. So can you tell us, uh, <laughs> uh you know, if you had any tips that you could share, if, if you had to do it all over again, what, what are some thoughts there? As a founding team, anyone will get rejected so many times. It will feel like you, you're rejected by pretty much everyone at the beginning. But once someone starts buying into your vision, your dream, I think it becomes infinitely easier to persuade others. Really, you really have to wait and really maintain your heading until you reach that critical mass. It just matters that you get one yes and other yeses will probably follow. Sure, sure. No, it uh, definitely probably affects the motivation. Uh, well, uh, is there anything you're you're proud of that you've done thus far? Anything that you've overcome that you can say that you know maybe you know through I guess just perseverance or whatever uh, has has made you feel like oh I, I I did something pretty good. Like the best moment always comes when our members tell us that we are doing a great job. So. Actually, uh, one five-star review came in today that really made my day. The patient really, really, really loves Prairie Health. And the patient is so glad he or she found us. And like reading those type of reviews uh, left by our patients really motivates us, motivates us and reminds us why we are doing this at the first place. It's because we want to better the lives of those you know, who are suffering from mental health issues. All the reviews that we got, I think that's the proudest thing that I would have to say about this entire venture called Prairie Health. Awesome, awesome. That's wonderful to hear. Um, real quickly, uh, before we kind of finish up with the startup talk, um, can I ask, do you think Stanford or Chengxim or even any schooling before that prepared you for what you're doing today? Or did you feel like you did some of that on your own? Stanford, definitely, because like most of the technical skills that I employ while working at Prairie Health definitely comes from Stanford. For example, some of the classes within the computer science department teaches how to do user testing, how to conduct user interviews, and those hands-on experience I got at Stanford really like translates into what I do here at my work. But I also think like all these smaller skills were taught by my middle school, high school when I was younger, and Stanford kind of put a period on that uh, by culminating it in some like really translatable technical skills that I can use in my job. I would say both Stanford and my um, previous education, it just shapes who I am as a person. Good, good. Um, that's great to hear. And any gaps or anything that you wish that you would have learned maybe in school or did you feel like you needed to do in order to kind of prepare yourself for today? <laughs> well, I mean, now that I just graduated three months ago, right? and now I'm a barely functioning adult, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm taking my first step into the adult life. And I hope schools tell people more about finance. Like we learn as computer science majors, we learn about all the development that needs to be done, all the product work that needs to be done to run a startup, but we're never taught how to raise venture capital, like how to successfully interface with uh, investors. Those are things that you really are left to learn by yourself at this point. But I kind of wish that schools taught me some skills that would have been useful 
for me at this point in my life. <laughs> well, I, I think Stanford is trying to do that by inviting some speakers over, like sharing their experience. It still would help if there is some more formal structures around how we approach like both business finances as well as personal finances. Because yeah. my <laughs> personal finance, I wouldn't even get into it. <laughs> it's <Well>, in shambles. Yeah. <laughs> I can't fix your personal finances, but I might have a solution for your business finances. So we'll, we'll talk about that after today's interview. Uh, well, um, we're going to finish off here, if you don't mind, with a, a thing that I used to call lightning round. I don't know what I'm going to call it moving forward, but it's definitely something where I just kind of ask five quick questions and mm -hmm. just tell me what, what comes to mind. So don't worry if, uh, you know, you, you feel like you have the wrong answer. Just, uh, you know, whatever comes to mind is important. And uh, I don't know how that bell went off <laughs> just now, but uh, that's awesome timing. All right. So first question, uh, who's your hero? My hero is my dad, uh, who has been supporting me ever since without ever being angry. He's always there for me. So I guess that counts as a hero. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, not necessarily hero-like, but who, who, the second question is, who would be a great role model in society that you can think of? Honestly, there's this one professor who's in Stanford. He's talking about ethical entrepreneurship, like especially because recently with the entire COVID thing going on, we've seen a lot of entrepreneurs or like businessmen making unethical choices that is not in the interest of public health. Now he's kind of my role model because I feel like I have so much more to learn about running a business in an ethical way, which is even more important because we're a mental health company. Very cool. Uh, what, what was that professor's name? Uh, his name is Tom Byers. He is the director of Stanford Technology uh, Venture Program. They have all these awesome contents. I rec I would recommend uh, everyone to check it out. Cool. It's ecorner.stanford.edu. All right. Thanks. Uh, third question. Um, so this is actually related to your business or your startup. Uh, so what do you think can motivate people who are struggling? Like, you know, they might be struggling in their efforts to succeed as an entrepreneur, maybe as a student. Um, obviously, they should use Prairie Health, but but in addition to that, <laughs> do you have any tips as far as like what what people might you know do when they're struggling? Because I mean, it's lonely being on an island, right? Um, right. And sometimes you don't know how to get off, and and you mm -hmm. know, no matter what solutions people give you, like, do you have any personal tips that you use to to get over those situations? I mean, no one else can solve my problem other than me, but I find that people can help each other out by just listening to them and acknowledging uh, how they feel. For me, when I feel frustrated, I would go to some of my trusted friends and tell them about what I'm going through. And they would usually try to understand me and maybe give some helpful advices. But mostly it's the fact that they're there to listen to me is the fact that really empowers me. Like that's the entire point of a lot of mental health care program, actually, like we're just there to listen to what the patient has to say and guide them to where they want to be. It all starts from the patient. The doctor can never impose a treatment goal. So like, it's ever more than important to be able to talk to other people and on the other side, listen to other people, acknowledge their feeling and just being there for each other is I think the best advice that I can give. Great. Um, last couple of ones are pretty easy. Uh, fourth uh, question would be what's your favorite meal or dish? 
Uh, my favorite meal. Right, that's actually the hardest one. I have <laughs> the most challenging question. Uh, I would say uh, dim sum. You know those uh, dim tai fung uh, dishes, the shaolong baos. Yep. I like them because it honestly, like for me, like it was, it felt like a whole experience. You know, walking into the restaurant, like seeing all these people working in the kitchen, like. It was a whole new experience for me when I first got to see it when I was in elementary school, and even until now, I feel like it's such an experience. Oh cool. yeah, I like that. Um, and last one is: uh, Do you have any interesting hobbies or or interesting, you know, tidbits of information about you that might make you a little bit different from the everyday, you know, person? I guess. No, I've been. <laughs> I think I like working at this point. Uh, I've been working on my own volition, of course, and. Uh, we at Prairie never ever uh, pressure each other to work beyond work hours. But for me, like as any founder would honestly, I just keep on working. And that is honestly so fun because I am doing work to realize my own vision. I guess that's pretty fulfilling. But on weekends, you know, like just the usual stuff, especially with COVID, can't go out that much. So I just try to take the time to uh, hang out with friends indoors, uh, just talk over lunch. But yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty ordinary. I, I don't okay. think I <laughs> met your expectations there. <laughs> it's, it's okay. We, we always just check just to make sure. Um, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, um, and, you know, AKA Simon, um, we're going to finish off actually, you know, beyond even this uh, real quick uh, lightning round or whatever we again call it moving forward. But um, I think something a little special for you maybe that I'd like to add to our interview is um, and we would like to get your contact information just in case anybody would like to reach out and get a hold of you uh, to maybe do some new deals with, you know, Prairie Health or, or perhaps maybe have you as their guest uh, in future podcasts. But but uh let me ask you, what would you like to say to your mom or your dad, um, you know, for all the great things that they've done for you in your life? You know, obviously you just talked about your dad being your hero, but maybe you could talk to your mom. I don't know. It's up to you. But, you know, maybe it could be a future Mother's Day or Father's Day or Parents' Day, right? They have Parents' Day in Korea. Um, and, and feel free to say it in Korean since, you know, obviously you are of Korean descent. So it's up to you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would just thank my parents for supporting me jumping into the startup world because like startup is not the easiest choice to make, right? Like you give up so much of the comfort and um, the benefits of being in, being part of a big organization. For parents, I can only imagine uh, like how worrying it is to see their child to be part of a venture that could potentially fall apart anytime. It's not like a big stable organization. And I really appreciate them uh, supporting my decision to do what I want to do. Like them being so accepting of my choices is what I really appreciate and thank them about. That, that's sweet. That's sweet. Uh, I'll, I'll have to thank them for you. It <laughs> 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 misses you. Uh, thank you for paying uh, uh, Jinu's uh, Stanford college tuition <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel guilty to my parents every day. So, uh, no, thank thanks to them for all of that. And uh, honestly, they sound like a very sweet uh, couple and uh, uh, very generous in so many different ways. So, and thank thanks to them to give me the chance to meet you in life. So, I want to thank them for that <laughs> as well. 
uh, because it's been great, uh, you know, watching your journey and seeing how you've been transpiring. And I and I and I and I know that it's only going to be a fantastic uh, full journey uh, here in the end. Um, all right. Well, last thing, and I keep on saying last, but uh, so how do people get in touch with you if they want to get a hold of you? The easiest way, honestly, is to reach me through Prairie Health. Um, so my email is uh, jinwooyu, J-I-N-W-O-O-Y-U, my full name, at prairiehealth.co. It's C-O. But if they message uh, someone at Prairie Health website, it's probably going to be me at the other end because, you know, that's how startups work. <laughs> you play sure. a lot of different roles. So, uh Cool, cool. And also you're on LinkedIn, so I'm sure that they can find you there too. So, um, yes. cool. Good, good. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Yu. I will address you as Mr. Uh, <laughs> for, for joining us here on Educate. Uh, uh, we are lucky to have you. Um, and and your, your perspectives on education, your perspectives on the startup world, and your perspective about life uh, are, are very just heartwarming. So thank you very much for having you uh, on the show today. All right. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us here on Educate. We sincerely appreciate you spending some time and listening to our show. Hopefully you enjoyed and we would always appreciate a little review here at the bottom. And on top of that, if you don't mind, subscribe and hope uh, to have you listen to more great episodes we want to share with you, examining the focus of education. Thanks again. Look forward to seeing you back here on the show.